Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. And as always, we are brought to you by Danny Platner and Altitude Home Loans. Danny runs the Adult League and is a good friend of the program. So if you have any mortgage or refinance needs, please take a look at his website, dannyplatner.com. You can also find him at 520-241-1428. He's a vice president and senior loan officer with Altitude Home Loans, and they are an equal housing lender. All right. Part two of four of our division previews. We have the Metropolitan Division today, and it's October the 10th, so we have one more day before real hockey. And joining us today to run down the Met, Coach Brad Krakowitz, known Washington Capital fan, was here when we did these previews two years ago. So, Coach Brad, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. I love talking about the Metro and hyping up my Washington Capitals probably a little bit too much. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We'll get to them. Uh, We went alphabetical last time for the Pacific, so maybe we'll do that again. So So we'll save the best for last in Washington? Uh, Sure. Love it. So big questions about the Met. Is this the best division in hockey? It's the deepest division in hockey without a doubt. There's seven teams that should be playing meaningful hockey come February and March. Sorry, Coach Rob. Sorry, Rannon. Philly sucks. Should we relegate them to the AHL? At this point, it's they're down there with the Yotes. For, for where they belong. And we asked Coach Rob and Coach Raiden if they wanted to come on uh, the Metro podcast, and they said, uh, nah. <laughs> they, I don't think they wanted to listen to me rail against Rasmus Fristolainen for 20 minutes straight. Or uh, his new best buddy, Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, some interesting right-handed D choices. I think I made the joke when Dan Rosen was on, and uh, and uh John Klingberg was still unsigned. I'd be like, hey, I'm calling Chuck Fletcher. Hey, I play right. I, I'm a right shot defenseman. I'm better than you guys. Why don't you give me $7 million? Even though they had no room for him. So who better to coach those guys than John Tortorella? Well, sure. I mean, you know, that's probably going to be a trying season there. So, but, you know, we'll get to them. We'll go through alphabetically again. And it, today it's October 10th. We were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights in the last preview because we did the Pacific Division. They just signed Nick Haig today to a couple million dollars. He's on IR. They still have a bunch of moves they have to make to get back to the cap. And so as a segue, one of those moves that they had to do in the offseason was they basically gave away Max Pacioretty to the Carolina Hurricanes. The steal of the offseason because they quite literally stole him and Dylan Coughlin, a very useful defenseman. But the headliner there is Max Pacioretty, even though he won't be ready to start the year. When he gets back into shape, that's one of the better pure snipers in the entire sport. That's exactly what Carolina was missing. Kind of that, aside from their goaltending being injured, kind of what did them in against the Rangers was not having a guy that, you know, you want the puck on their stick to take a shot, a guy that you want to look for in the offensive zone to take the shot. You know, at some point, you you want to have that go-to guy. And uh, they didn't have that trigger man. Now they do. With all those dangerous speedsters and playmakers they have up front, This is uh, this is the team to beat in the East for me. And they also got Brett Burns on a reduced salary deal for just a couple of pieces going back, along with uh, Roadrunner legend Lane Peterson was part of that deal. Yeah, I mean, coming back to Las Vegas is, I mean, they basically traded Max Pacioretty and Coughlin for me. I mean, I'm going to contribute just as much to the Vegas roster this year than anything they're going to get back. Actually, that's not true. If you put me on the bench with Bruce Cassidy, I feel like I'd be a contributor. So probably even less than me is going back to Vegas. You to make sure that those players would have the best two-foot turns they could possibly have. That's I'll right. give you that much. That's right. Work A lot of two-foot turn work oh, yeah. in those Vegas Golden Knight practices if you got me on the bench there. And then going through the rest of the division, 
just on a cursory glance, the Rangers have the best goalie in hockey, and they have a lot of young prospects who are getting better. Pittsburgh adds some size on D, but really they they kind of stabilize. They, you know, they extend Ricard Raquel. They have Kapanen. They still have Jeff Carter running a line. Their fourth line was good last year. Their goal prevention was pretty good. Their goalies are both pretty good and formed a pretty good tandem. Washington still has question marks, but a team with pedigree, a team that knows how to show up and be professional night in, night out in the National Hockey League. The Islanders, who after a rough start, rebounded. They just ran out of games. Columbus signs Johnny Goudreau. They have to give away Oliver Bjorkstrand, though. We're going to talk about that in depth. We talked about that some in our Pacific Division because he was traded to Seattle. And New Jersey, you with health, again, young players, maybe ready for leaps. They're going to be in it, too. So you look at this division. Is this a three-playoff team division, a four-playoff team division, or a five-playoff team division this year? If I were to throw some money down, I would say four. Uh, but you could very easily see a case for there being a fifth, depending on some of the stuff going on in, in Boston and Florida with new coaches and injuries and some big shakeups. But that's more of an Atlantic division discussion. But there, you know, like we started off with, there should be seven teams playing meaningful hockey and still in the race around the trade deadline. All right. So let's start alphabetically and save the best for first. Carolina Hurricanes, is this the team to beat in the East? Absolutely. This is the deepest roster, both up front and back and in goal, in all honesty. Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta are two really good goalies when they're healthy. When healthy. That should be their middle names. That's the big thing. And Kachetkov was serviceable, at least in the playoffs, uh, when he was kind of thrust into action there. So young goalie, you in theory, only getting better. I know goaltending is the most random thing in all of sports, it seems. That and bullpen depth in baseball, I would say. Yes, there's a, those are a coin flip on what you're getting every year. Is this the best roster in the league since Colorado lost Kadri, since Tampa had to let go of Ruta, let go of McDonough? Is this the best roster top to bottom in the NHL? You can make a very compelling case. The top, top end star power might not be there, but that team's third and fourth lines will be better than most teams' third and fourth lines, and they're third D pairing will be better than almost any other team's third D pairing. So they'll be able to come at you in waves in a way that no other team in this sport can do. If Ranta and Anderson are healthy in the playoffs, do they win the Stanley cup? Yes. Well, there you go. Coach Brad finally stopped equivocating there when I asked him direct questions and you're on the board there. That's They're- my pick. I'll call it right now. Carolina Edmonton is the final Carolina wins in five or six. How interesting. And if you were listening to our Pacific Division podcast, which I imagine you don't, but you don't because you also won't hear this question I'm asking now. So if you did listen to the Pacific one, you probably are listening to this one. A lot of talk about Edmonton, Calgary at the top of that division there. Now, we came down as Edmonton being the number one team regular season in that division. But Calgary, with the moves they made, are actually a tougher out just to kind of take a little tangent. Would you agree with that statement? I know no. you just picked him for the cup. So I would disagree. I think Edmonton will be the better out in both the the tougher out in both the regular and postseason. Um, but that kind of has a lot to do with I'm not a big believer in being able to force the chemistry that the top line in Calgary had last year with new pieces. I think that's getting incredibly underselled how well the three of them clicked. And when you're reshuffling the lines like that, it's still a 
very good hockey team. But that's not uh, – you're not getting the same production that you were before out of that top unit. Um, I know Nazem Kadri will help kind of push some of the depth back into more appropriate places. Like Michael Backlund will be the third-line center now rather than the second-line center, which is a much more appropriate place for him at this point in his career. Um, and the forward depth, it's still a very good team, and it should still be a 100-plus point team. But uh, a lot went right in Calgary last year. Almost too much went right in Calgary last year. Uh, there's bound to be some regression. Yeah. I mean, you lose Goudreau, you lose Kachuk, but you add Uyghur on the back end. Huberdo is a 100-point guy, and Kadri is an 80-point guy. So that's why I said I think they're a tough route. I think they'll get there. You're right about the chemistry. But anyway, back to Carolina. So when you look at this team, their best forward Sebastian Ajo. Now, when you talk about the star power, he doesn't garner the same type of talk as some of your other stars in the league. But where do you have him ranked amongst the elite in the league? Among centers, he's borderline top 10, top 15 range. Uh, he's, I think he's criminally underrated as a facilitator. One of the smartest hockey players, as you watch him play, just seems to be in the right place, makes quick, decisive, correct decisions, always has a defensive conscientious. And part of it is a system that they play. Uh, it allows the, the wingers to drive play as well, allows lots of speed going through the neutral zone, allows for, you know, when you know what you're doing, you're playing with pace, you're playing faster than the other team. You can be decisive, you can be quick, and you can be always be making the right decision because you're one step ahead of who you're playing against. That's kind of how Carolina plays Sebastian Ajo. Even though he's not the fastest skater in the world, he's quick, he's decisive, he makes those plays very well and has an incredible defensive impact. On the back check, in the defensive zone, on the penalty kill, incredible. One of the most dangerous shorthanded threats in the game as well with how quickly he can get the puck out of the zone, go chase it down and go in on a, a breakaway or a one-on-one and get a quick shot off. And, you know, look, I'm with you. I think they win the East. You had a team that was there last year, just ran out of gas a little bit in goal. And then you add Brent Burns and Max Pacioretty, really for nothing. And then one of these years, you know, Andre Kasha is going to be a contributor. He's too good not to be. He's still only 26. He was a guy I remember seeing in Tucson. And I remember watching that first year when they played the Gulls. It was Andre Kasha and it was Brandon Montour. I was like, boy, these guys, not only are they going to be good, they're going to be top-end NHL guys. I thought Brandon Montour was the second coming of Chris Letang. I was wrong, although he's pretty good. He's not, you know. It's a very serviceable NHL defenseman. Sure. He's, he, yeah, he, he does some good things. I think he got caught in some bad scenarios, but anyway, where he just didn't fit and wasn't able to kind of gel with his teammates. But Kasha, like, okay, this this is a speed winger that – really does good things all over the ice. And hopefully, you know, you kind of mentioned a basketball term, load management. The depth on this team is going to allow them to do that probably in for, probably at forward, probably at defense, because, you know, Brent Burns is not going to have to load the minutes up. You got Slavin, you got Pesci, you got young guys like Coughlin and Bear that are going to play some minutes and they're going to be fine. They just signed Calvin DeHaan for some depth. And then, you know, Kachetkov did show that, he can play NHL games and be all right. So you have, to borrow the term from basketball, load management that should help this team. But again, it's a tough division, but you would like to think that they can do their best to shelter some of these players so that they're not having to play huge minutes every night. And maybe even some guys like Brent Burns, maybe plays 70 games instead of 80, and maybe that helps him in the playoffs. Absolutely. And to go kind of circle back to the forward group, 
Andre Kasha was phenomenal in Toronto last year. He had some injury issues, which kind of led him out of the spotlight. Again, when healthy, played 50 games. Yeah, he was, I thought he was really good. Um, And probably one of my favorite players in the entire league is Seth Jarvis. I think that Seth Jarvis should have been a no doubt top 10 pick in that draft in 2020. Um, I know that that wasn't the most popular opinion in the world, but there were some Seth Jarvis believers out there. I think he's the perfect fit in Carolina. I think he's a legitimate point per game threat this year. He would be my, if I were to highlight one big breakout candidate there, uh, it would be him. But the only real question mark besides health with Carolina is what are you doing at second line center? Vincent Trocek left for the Rangers in the offseason. And you're kind of, based on the contract that was given to Jesperi Kotkaniemi, you kind of are expecting him to take that role. Seemed like they were waiting for Martin Neches to take that role, but he, for some reason, refuses to shoot a hockey puck ever. So they seem to be pushing him off to the wing and let him facilitate from there. So I'm really curious to see how that gets sorted out. And maybe, you know, that's a deadline thing, but they've got all their draft picks, essentially. They have even an extra second round pick going into next year uh, from the Tony D'Angelo trade from the Flyers. So they've got some bait if they need to make an addition at the deadline as well. Um, And especially if those injuries pile up, uh, I can't imagine Carolina doesn't be aggressive at the deadline uh, to make sure that they get whatever that missing piece may be. Uh, So I would maybe think it's a second line center. Maybe it's uh, another offensive minded defenseman if they decide they want to be more aggressive from the back end. Uh, But this team has options galore uh, and they'll be able to do, I think, whatever they want stylistically, uh, both regular season and postseason. Andrei Svechnikov, 22 years old as of today. Doesn't turn 23 until March. Last year, 30 goals, 39 assists in 78 games. In the playoffs, 14 games, 5 points, 4 goals, 1 assist. What does his stat line look like for both at the end of the season? Regular season, I think we'll be looking at around the same um, maybe a few more goals. I think that the influence of Max Pacioretty in the building kind of will allow him to show that he can shoot the puck a little bit more. I think it'll divide some attention away from Andrei Svechnikov a little bit, depending on where the lines are. He was the guy last year that was their quote unquote shooting threat um, when you play them. So I think that maybe when you look at Andrei Svechnikov this year, maybe he gets a little bit looser in transition. Um, I'd like to see him played with Seth Jarvis. I think that they would work really well together, but there's line combinations galore and they're very fluid throughout the year. So I don't want to get overly deep into that uh, playoff time. If Carolina is my pick to win the cup, I'm going to say that Andre Svechnikov has a good playoff. Naturally, I think he'll hover around a point a game as well. Um, but if he goes over and they have the big breakout that he was supposed to have last season, um, Carolina might have a playoff run similar to what Colorado had last year where you lose four times. I mean, and that's, boy, for as tough as the East is, not to, not to discount the West, it's just a different landscape out there. I think Colorado's gap between the other teams they saw in the playoffs last year in every round in the West was pretty stark. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, even round one in the East, everyone had 100 points last year in the East who made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really hard to get in. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll get back to Carolina at the end here when we start making our full predictions, but... Let's move on to the next team alphabetically, a team very near and dear to my heart, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So they make the biggest splash in the offseason with Johnny Goudreau. And I think what people are forgetting is they then had to trade away a very, very good winger in Oliver Bjorkstrand for a third and a fourth. So, I mean, taking a look at that, it's just 
yeah, you sign Goudreau to the contract that he gets. And again, an offensive dynamo, the likes of which you've never seen, uh, you know, is rare in the league. And then to sign it, to have to give away a guy like Bjorkstrand, does that water down the Goudreau signing to you to a significant extent? To me, it's not, it waters it down to a significant extent. To, to make the playoffs in this division, I think they needed both of those guys. I would agree that to make them this year, you need them both. But Columbus isn't, they didn't sign Johnny Goudreau to win this year. They signed Johnny Goudreau to continue and be a huge piece in what they're building moving forward with all those first-round picks they've had the last two, three years. This is going to be a dangerous team, and if Oliver Bjorkstrand is the sacrificial piece that you have to make to get you know, a guy who's had two top-five MVP finishes the last three years, uh, that's a sacrifice you make, and especially you know, to kind of get a little bit deeper into the, uh, the Columbus-specific part of it, it was not seen as a destination with Artemi Panarin wanting out, Matt Duchesne not re-signing, Sergei Bobrovsky not re-signing. It was seen as like the Winnipeg of... Seth Jones, yeah, Seth Jones wanted, wanted out, it's had to be traded. It was getting seen as the Winnipeg of the United States, where you go there, you develop, you hit UFA, and you leave. So the fact that Johnny Gaudreau made the conscious decision to go there, I think, is another huge deal in attracting further free agents. But what I'm most excited about with Columbus is watching Johnny Gaudreau pass the puck to Patrick Laine. Because Laine might have the most pure, lethal shot alone in the game, and that's right up there with Matthews and Ovechkin in terms of pure shooting ability. It's unreal. His wrists move in a circle, and the puck is right in the top corner, and it clangs four bars and is in the back of the net before you can even realize it. Is Connor Bedard like fourth on that list already? Is, is someone who hasn't even been drafted yet? He might be. He, that's a whole nother podcast we could talk about Connor Bedard. We got lots of time to talk about Connor Bedard. All right, so we'll talk about that when we get to Philly. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Give him a little nugget. Anyway, so no, you're, you're exactly right about that. And someone's got to center that line, though. You have two young guys, 19 years old, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger. You have Columbus native, Jack Roslovic, who's now 25. <laughs> You know, you have some guys, Boone Jenner played center before, but I think he's more of a winger. You have still a good top six there. Voracek still productive, even though he makes, you know, that, that to me was the guy they couldn't move to keep Bjorkstrand. I felt like that was the guy you could move with some maybe reduced salary because he is still good. And if you move him at a lesser cap number, someone still might be able to say, even as a good team, all right, we're going to take this guy because we know this is, an elite playmaker, even though his stat line last year was very Joe Thornton, like six goals, 56 assists. (laughs) So again, you know, maybe that shied people away, but still Bjorkstrand, a very good player. If you were able to keep Goudreau, Line A, Bjorkstrand, I mean, your top six is most certainly in business, really, no matter who's playing center. But again, I think this is going to be a team that, kind of is your run-and-gun team in the Met. Uh, Wierenski, uh, you know, he has a big cap hit, but one of the most talented offensive defensemen in the league. The Gabranson signing, you could tell by that signing, they did not expect to get Johnny Goudreau. And and now that's that's a thing, because you had to pay him $4 million, not thinking you'd get Johnny Goudreau, but you're like, all right, we're going to re-sign line A, we have Bjorkstrand. Yeah, we need, we need, I guess every, you know, that was very in chic in this division. We need size and depth on D. 
Gabranson at four years, four million is fine. He's thirty; it'll be fine. You know, he's you know what you're getting. This is a low ceiling, high floor guy. But then it came time to all right, we got to find some cap space, and you had to send Bjorkstrand for nothing. But I think here you have the goaltending too. It was everyone assumed one of them was Leakins or Corpusalo was going to be moved, and then. Corpusalo ends up staying. He had a pretty poor year. Merzlikens, I, you know, flashes more, has more talent, decent cap hit. If he can even get better, you got the young kid in net too. So, I mean, this is a team when you look at their top six and you even look at some of their death pieces, like another Columbus native, Sean Corrali, Eric Robinson. This is a pretty good forward group that's still young. And you're right. They're, they're probably not this year. I mean, Liam Foody as well. So the D is Wierenski, Adam Bovquist, who showed some things last year, Jake Bean. You know, the, the depth of this team is pretty good. Are, are they going to be a playoff team this year? Not playoff team this year. I think um, this year the key focus should be, A, making sure that Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau can coexist in that, which they should systematically very well, um, and making sure that that connection is there. I think that, and then the other thing is making sure your young centers, especially, are developing. Um, the style of play that Kent Johnson plays uh, will be a, it'll be tough to transition to the NHL. He's flashy, you know, think kind of a Trevor Zegras style of player with Kent Johnson. Uh, there, it'll be a transition period. Uh, you know, the physicality might uh, take some time to get there, but I'm a big believer in him. I think it will. And then, you know, Cole Sillinger had a really good rookie year. Um, seeing, you know, what kind of role can he take on? If he's, you know, how high up can he go in the lineup? Can he facilitate between a Johnny Gaudreau and a Patrick Laine? Can he, will he more slot in on a second line with a Jacob Voracek uh, or a Gus Nyquist if he ends up playing in the top six this year? Uh, and I'm a big believer in Jack Roslovic. I always have been ever since his Winnipeg days. Uh, I think he is incredibly underrated. Lots of untapped potential. I don't know how much of that is still there at, uh, at this age. A good finish last year. Good finish. And I think Brad Larson kind of understands what he's working with. I'm a big fan of Brad Larson as a coach. I think he has a really good pulse of his team. Um, they were better than they probably should have been last year with really poor goaltending that they got. Well, and I know it's a stat that's out of cheek with a lot of analytic circles, but 2021, uh, the, the shortened season, 12 goals, 22 assists, 34 points, minus 11. For Jack Roslovic last year, picked it up at the end of the year, 81 games. So availability is your best ability as a pro athlete, as it's been said, 22 goals, 23 assists plus two. So I think he had kind of that influence of, all right, I I need to be better in my own end, which was the big knock torts used to have when, when for everyone, for everyone. And, you know, most hockey coaches do that. It's yeah, we, we know you're talented when you play in one end. But don't be the Anthony Mantha, you know, where you're not considered a 200 foot player. You're considered a 45 foot player. So start <laughs> started up the Anthony Mantha hate early. Uh, he's a good 45 foot player. Don't get me wrong. I'll have this argument with you when we get to Washington. Fine, fine. And I didn't watch a ton of Caps games last year. You can you can, you can tell me I'm wrong. But still, I I think when you look at this team, Goudreau signed for a while. Line a signed for a while. You got these kids playing center. You have Wierenski signed. You have Gabranson signed. You have Boquist signed. You have goaltending signed. I mean, in two years, this might be the best team in the Met because not only do they have those pieces, they have 
a stockpiled farm system. And I give Yarmo Kekalainen a lot of credit because a couple of years ago, he goes all in. He doesn't trade. Uh, he doesn't trade Panarin. He doesn't trade Bobrovsky, even though he could get assets. He goes out and he trades for Duchesne. He trades for JG Pajot, right? Dezingle. Yeah, he trades for Ryan Dezingle. And they don't even really use him, but he gives up, a, I think it was a first for that. and Or a second or something like that, or two seconds. He gave up what ended up being... It was a hall of draft picks. It was a to hall get the of draft picks from, to get those guys from Ottawa at the time. And usually, GMs don't survive that when it doesn't work. So they get bounced in the second round by. Well, they only beat the greatest regular season team. Well, we've sure, ever seen in four games, blew them out of the water, and then has a tough series with who ends up representing the East that year in Boston. They lose in six because Tuka Rask kicks them out of the playoffs himself. I thought Columbus was the better team, but that was kind of we all. That was the last, you know. Tuka Rask run where he was still at his peak or near his peak. Yeah. I thought Columbus was primed for it and they looked really good in that series. So like you were saying, credit to Yarmo for turning it around, starting from the ground up. It, uh, it definitely helps when you're able to full fledged rob the Chicago Blackhawks of not only the pick that turned into Cole Sillinger, but the pick that this year ended up becoming David Yerichek who has top pairing potential as well. I mean, I, I had him, I can't remember if it, I, it was at least top five. I don't know if he was two or three for me coming into this draft, but I was really high on him as well. Yeah. And you've been, you've been able to get some high picks and they're back again. I mean, something like that usually hinders your franchise for a while. Cause they didn't resign any of those guys Yeah, when they went all in, they got nothing for them. They all walked. And so, and I, and I give Yarmo a lot of credit. I talked about this when I had Dan Rosen on was I've kind of bestowed upon him. Uh, you know, Ohio citizenship as an Ohio native, because you could tell in his tone when they were talking about people not wanting to come to Columbus, he was very much of the Ohio attitude there. So he took it personal. Definitely. Yeah, he took it personal. So uh, honorary Ohio and Yarmo Kekalainen, I'm very proud and very happy that he runs this franchise. And I think I, they're going to be heard from for sure. They're going to be an entertaining team to watch. I think they're going to kind of be there at the end. And, you know, I don't know. When I make predictions, I'm probably going to go be too high on them just because they're one of my teams. So, Of course. I think looking forward to the future and kind of to close out Columbus, the big four guys that you haven't heard of yet that will be this, the next coming and will make turn Columbus into a potential juggernaut in the Eastern Conference, Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger up front, David Yerichek on defense, and Daniil Tarasov in goal. I've been a big believer in Daniil Tarasov. I'm no goalie expert, though, so take that with multiple grains of salt but he's done numbers in the khl he's got the right frame he's got the right athleticism uh i think he could be a legit goaltender of the future there so i think this team and you know you keep johnny gaudreau you keep patrick line keep the rest of these young guys coming and there's more prospects in the system that we haven't talked about of course in Kulamins is really good um and who's the other defenseman that they drafted this year why am i blanking danton matechuk yep matechuk's a good player as well so they've got more guys coming up uh this will be a good team but not quite their time yet all right, so let's move to the East Coast-ish, to the New Jersey Devils, the actual metropolitan part of the metropolitan for sure. Let's go to the New York, New Jersey metro area now. So a team that had expectations coming into last year, they didn't quite live up to it, but they saw a leap from Jack Hughes. Now he's signed for 8 eight by 8 right? I think it was 8 yep. by 8 
which is substantially less than he should have signed for. So whoever his agent is needs to be fired on the spot. Ouch. Shots fired. Well, I mean, he his second. I mean, that's the second contract, though. So no high bridge. Eight by eight. Good cost control. I mean, sure. But again, slight frame got injured his first year. I got to think that kind of plays into some of that decision making. Yeah, and it's a decision that's got to be made. And I, I understand why that if Jack Hughes prefers the job security. But this is a guy that I wholeheartedly believe. So as long as Connor McDavid doesn't score 180 points every season the rest of his career, Jack Hughes has a very good chance to win an MVP at some point in the next five, six years. He's electric as all get out. And as the supporting cast of young guys that they've drafted and developed continues to rise up, his numbers are only going to go up. His defensive impact is only going to go up as he becomes a smarter, more polished two-way player just with gaining experience. And he's not a bad defensive player to begin with either. So he's electrifying as all get out. Um, I'm, I think he's already a legit number one center. I think Nico Heischer can also be a legit number one center and they've got your, there's your, your center punch, right? That's what every team seemingly begging to get is security down the middle and they've got it. You know, you've got Nico Heischer signed for the next five years at seven and a quarter. Jack Hughes signed for the next eight years at 8 million. That's a steal beyond belief gives you the money to go out and sign the Andre Palats of the world, the Dougie Hamiltons of the world, even though that was a last year thing. And eventually maybe get a goaltender. Andre Palat, another guy who we didn't talk about earlier. when we talked about some of the people that Tampa had to let go. They had to, they had to let him go too. I mean, a guy that's extremely important. You would hope is a 31 year old, multiple cup rings, been there, done that. He helps these guys along. And then a sneaky good pickup. You know I'm a big Vitek Vanacek guy. I know you're not, even though you saw him a lot. You saw him a lot more than I did. And then also the John Marino trade, where I, I Fascinating guess... Fascinating trade. I guess Pittsburgh had... To, it's got to be a salary move from Pittsburgh. You You send John Marino, who's very good for you the last two years, and really, at a lot of times when guys were hurt on that team... He was sometimes their best player night in, night out for long stretches as a guy just coming undrafted out of Harvard. And so they signed him to a, a good deal. So I think they believed in him. But then it was someone's the odd man out here. All right, let's take a flyer on Ty Smith as maybe as a kid who can provide some offense from the back. And we pick up a third. But to me, that's a really shrewd move by New Jersey to help solidify their defense. Definitely. And that's kind of, you know, Great way if you, you're not sold on your goaltending, which they clearly weren't by getting Vitek Vanacek, help the guys in front of them. And Jonas Siegenthaler, another former Washington Capital, uh, who was in the the graveyard of players we had to get rid of to get old guys for half a season. Uh, phenomenal shutdown defenseman. Really came into his own this past year. Uh, Ryan Graves, you know, people were wondering how he'd play away from Kale McCarr once he left Colorado. Um, and he's still been serviceable. So they've got a team and Dougie Hamilton's still there. So that's a good team, a uh, good defense that has lots of potential. And uh, their young number two pick, Simon Nemich, made the team at a camp. So I don't know how long that'll last, but that's a uh, could talk about the future of this team, especially on the back end, because I'm the number one Luke Hughes truther on the planet. I, I, I was very high on Luke Hughes as well. Go ahead. Get, get some Luke Hughes time in. Luke Hughes should have been the number one pick. I'm draft, not, I, and I would have pounded my fist at the table and I there's no argument you could have made to me that Owen Power Owen Power is a great player but I thought Luke Hughes was better at just about every facet of the game 
Um, and the ceiling is remarkable for Luke Hughes. Uh, six foot two ish, I believe off the top of my head, better skater than either Jack or Quinn Hughes and skates like the wind defends well in transition. His defense is only going to get better as he gets older, as all defensemen do. Um, it's not perfect, but it's the tools are all there. Uh, you get good coaching. You get someone to develop him. He's at Michigan where he'll get as many minutes as he, his little legs can handle. And uh, that guy will win a Norris trophy. You had a team with Owen power and Luke Hughes last year. And they, and they lost to the semifinal. And Luke Hughes was better than Owen power last year. Luke I might Hughes add. Was, right. So here's the thing. I, I tried to watch these guys at Michigan. Some when you watch Hughes is the one that pops for sure. And as a skater, Hughes is the one that pops. And you know me, I love skating skill. Luke Hughes is a better technical skater. But what I will say about power is that I was kind of down on him. But when he came up and played, he was a number three defenseman easily. And so I, I and from what I saw, I think he evolves into a different kind of player. So I think three years from now, you're probably going to be happier you picked power. Right now, it's definitely a toss up. And you're like, boy, Luke Hughes was a guy that maybe we should have given more of a look at. So it's so as a Buffalo fan, it's when I saw power, it's like I get it because I think his instincts will make him a better NHLer than really he was in college. Definitely. Because Chris Pronger or Scott Niedermeyer. Right. And in the modern game, you want your Scott Niedermeyer. But it's not like Pronger never scored goals, and it's not like Niedermeyer wasn't a high-end defenseman, defensive guy either. Uh, like you, it's not a wrong decision to make. Sure, it's it's a great choice to have to make. Um, yeah. But New Jersey ending up with Luke Hughes at what they get him at four, four. That's a bigger crime. He fell to four than he didn't go one. In all honesty, <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah. Powers, Power, Beneers, Mason McTavish, Luke Hughes, and then another Michigan teammate, Kent Johnson, where they famously had three of the top five, four yeah. of the top five. That's uh that's an incredible team, um that Michigan team was, and it's a shame that they didn't go farther. Ah, as an Ohio State fan, I wouldn't say it's a shame they didn't go farther. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would have been nice for those kids to ri- win some rings and whatnot. Oh, so yeah. coming up, but you know, circling back to the Devils a little bit, uh, the forward group. Jesper Bratt is another incredibly underrated guy. I said Sebastian Ajo is super underrated. Seth Jarvis breakout guy. Jesper Bratt's right in the same category. Probably the most quiet point of game player last year. Uh, I know he did a lot of work playing with Jack Hughes, but even when Jack Hughes was out of the lineup and he had to kind of carry the mail and drive a lot of the play, he was more than capable of doing it. I think he's an incredibly underrated piece of the future of that team. Dawson Mercer is your coach's favorite player. Uh, will do everything at both ends of the ice. His feet quite literally never stop moving and knows how to finish off his plays. And then Alexander Holtz, the, the purebred sniper of the team that you know you typically want to pair with your playmaker in Jack Hughes who uh, could do nothing on defense, but will score you 30 goals. Uh, so it'll, he'll drive your coaches crazy for a little bit, uh, but he'll he'll end up putting some pucks in the back of the net for sure. That shot is lethal. Good AHL numbers last year. Really poor showing in the NHL. Uh, you know, as, again, somebody who loves skating skill, this team's got skaters. Brat, Miles Wood, Sharon Govich. I mean, these are your guys. Are just Sharon Govich, that's another guy that, doesn't get any love, not a big name, but uh, he can play. That's a really good complimentary piece. Can fill out anywhere in the top nine, drive a third line if he needs to. That's a really, really good player. All right. So just like Columbus, are they ready? Are they going to claim one of these spots this year and get themselves into the playoffs? No, and it boils down to your goaltending. And Vitek Vanacek is, to me, your ideal backup goaltender. 
He's your solid tandem goaltender. Uh, he's a the perfect definition of an average NHL goalie. Um, he can't clearly he couldn't carry the mail because uh, Washington decided to get rid of their entire goaltending tandem. Um, and Mackenzie Blackwood, who at one point was seen right there with with Carter Hart as Hockey Canada's goalie of the future, and managed to be just god awful last year. Um, and Jonathan Bernier going down. You know, even if you're you're better in net than you were because you can't possibly be worse than you were last year in net. I think they used nine different goaltenders last year, including Nico Dawes, who was fresh off the World Juniors, and then had to come in and play against the Metropolitan Division. Played once against the Sabres. I saw that game. So they have to be better. If Jonathan Bernier comes back at some point in the year, I'm sure they would have no issue carrying three goaltenders and seeing whichever one can give them serviceable play. Um, But Mackenzie Blackwood really needs to take the step forward. That's what they're betting on here. Uh, the Vitek Vanacek bet, they know exactly what they're getting with them. Uh, the upside is, does Blackwood regain his form or were that one or two years where he looked like the real deal and had all that potential? Was that just a mirage? And that's the real question. Um, so we'll see uh, where that ends up going. This division, it's so tough. If you told me New Jersey finished seventh, I'd believe you. If you told me they finished second, I'd believe you. Absolutely. Now let's go on Long Island. The New York Islanders. Are they back? I Are have, they the New York Islanders again? The team that that went toe-to-toe with Tampa twice in a row in the Eastern Conference Finals. I have absolutely no idea. Lane Lambert, as you know, former Capitals assistant, so I know a little bit about him, taking over for Barry Trotz. So I don't know how much the system's going to change. Um, I refuse to believe that a Lou Lamorello team this day and age will win the Stanley Cup. Uh, they've, they needed a big forward addition, right? They missed Jordan Everly more than they'd like to admit. Oliver Wallstrom did not take the next step. Kyle Palmieri had a disappointing year and they refused to play in a way that can unlock what you're getting out of Matthew Barzell. So, and they just signed him to a massive extension, which might lead me to believe, you know, maybe you're, you're going to use that a little bit more. You're going to value what he actually can bring to the table on offense as opposed to forcing him to be a just remarkably skilled and fast defensive center that doesn't do anything with the puck below the dots, which is where he's incredibly dangerous and skilled with his speed that he can pick up. So I have no idea what to make of this team. I don't know uh, what Brock Nelson can continue to bring to the table. He seems to have a random breakout year every other year um, and then kind of will fade back to normal. So I think JG Pajo is probably the most consistent guy. You can't get anything out of Anthony Beauvillier, but Andres Lee's coming back. So I were if I were to bet, I would say that they're they're coming back into the swing of things. I'm a big believer in Noah Dobson. Uh, and is, I'm he, a, is he going to be able to kind of fill in what they lost when they had to get when they had to trade Devon Taves, who yes. now has a Stanley Cup ring and rightfully so? Yes, I think that Noah Dobson has legit number one defenseman potential, um, and I think that their goaltending is. I think they have the best goaltending tandem in the sport, and I don't think it's very close either with Sorokin and Varlamov. Anderson and Ranta? I would take the Islanders tandem. All right. Shesterkin and me? I would. Uh, or whoever okay. they got now? Yaroslav Halak, I believe. That's is not bad. Up. That's not bad. Tandem-wise, I Varlamov could start on maybe half the teams in the league, I believe. he's. I think he could be an average starter at, at least uh, in the league. And Ilya Sorokin is a top-five goaltender in the sport for me. So I would think that I'm very high on them if you can... You know, let your guys on offense, your talented guys, just go try and do something, right? Like Anders Lee will park his butt in front of the net, score a lot of goals there. 
Brock Nelson can put the puck there. Matthew Barzal, take it up the ice. There's a lot of potential there, and it seems like the system has kind of backed off of that and allowed them to focus all on defense. With well, That's how Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello, there's no other way they would play hockey. So I'm hoping that maybe, well, not hoping because I'm a Capitals fan, but for the Islanders' sake, you'd like to see them maybe open things up a little bit more with this goaltending that you now have. If you you really love your defense now, you traded a first-round pick for Alexander Romanov, which I don't agree with, but clearly you like what you see there enough. 22. Him and Noah Dobson, 22. Yeah. So clearly you think that there's enough there that you can you can really make a push here. So maybe you open things up a little bit. You'll let the guys who can skate really skate with it, unlike what they've done the last few years. And last year they really got you know kind of roughed up by their schedule. Uh, their new arena wasn't ready until like December. So they played, I think it was 17 games on the road to start the year, got super far behind the eight ball, uh, and just couldn't catch back up. So I think that's the team that's most likely to challenge, uh, that missed the playoffs last year in the division to come back up and make it in. I also love this. They still pay Rick DiPietro a million and a half a year. Love it. And he goes on ESPN and they, they make fun of him for it on ESPN. He does. Uh, he's good on television. I thought he was good. I like it. Yeah. He, he at least it's at least interesting. I, I mean, I, I thought he had some good takes and it was the first couple of times I saw him. I was like, who is this again? And they're like, DPH. I'm like, oh man, DPH. And they're like, yeah, he's not bad. Yeah. He's pretty good in there. As we went through this segment and I started with saying, I have no idea what to make of this team. I kind of like found myself talking myself back into the Islanders this year. They have pedigree. Yeah. I, they're a tough out. I They've found made the myself, playoffs in this division many, many years, Yeah, except for last year when, like you said, they had to start 17 in a row on the road. They have a home again on Long Island. Yeah. So let me retract my statement. When I said I have no idea what to make of them because in the two minutes I spent talking about them, I talked myself back into them. They're back. And they have Coach Front, a.k.a. Zach Parise on the roster still. <laughs> and again, no defenseman over 30 that plays regular minutes. Good depth. Familiar big, uh, with each other. Scott Mayfield, I think, is another really underrated player uh, that can shut stuff down really, really well. If if I told you the Islanders won the cup this year, you probably wouldn't be that surprised. No, they, I'd be surprised. You'd be surprised because they, they would have gotten through Carolina then. Yes, I'd be surprised well, that they made it through, that the system, nobody broke the system among the gauntlet of teams that you have to get through in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, well, my point is this. I mean, they took Tampa's best shots and we're right there. And this is still the same DNA on this team with Devontae's gone, but Dobson ascending. Romanoff is a different piece. The forward group might be a little bit older, but still good. They're still the same players that were there in Tampa for those game sevens where they were so close. Yeah. And what, but what did the men against Tampa in both those series was they didn't have that guy to put the puck in the net. They took Tampa's best shots because Tampa was the only one taking shots. Now, if you can get more out of Matt Barzell, kind of what we saw in his rookie year, I know he was playing behind John Tavares, and Tavares took a lot more of the difficult assignments that allowed Barzal to go a point a game. He hasn't touched that since then. So if you're able to get him even closer to that, where he can just push another team back with his speed and really let him do that, I think then you have a much better shot going up against the teams that will come at you with everything they've got you know, in the East, like the Carolinas of the world. Um, and, you know, if you get past, you get out of the Metro, like the Tampa or the Toronto or the Florida, whatever team you end up playing, if you're into that bracket, there's your, uh, there's your assignment. So that's, I think that's the key for the Islanders this year um, is getting that. And then the goaltending, I don't even want to say like 
the goaltending has to stay healthy. Because if Sorokin goes down, Varlamov was the guy in net who took those shots from Tampa and took them to a game seven where they lost. I think it was one nothing um, in 2021 at a game seven. Um, Correct. So like there, you're right there. So that's why I'm so high on Varlamov. Uh, that's why part of why I'm so high on the Islanders. You're going to get fantastic goaltending night in and night out. Speaking of fantastic goaltending, let's go back into the city for the New York Rangers. They were right there as well. Right there. They win games one and two against Tampa. We watched one of those. Yep. And I remember saying, as me, you, and CD were leaving, don't throw dirt on Tampa. And you two said, well, we're not. But even though we saw them lose games one and two. So was that the kind of playoff loss they needed to go through so that now they're a legitimate cup contender? As a Capitals fan, you need to go through about eight more of them. (laughs) Not every team had that long of a road. (laughs) But I think that that's kind of what you need to, you need to feel one, the energy of going into, you know, your first round series against Pittsburgh, you go down three, one, you battle back huge overtime goal from Panarin. That's kind of a, a moment that will live in Rangers lore for a little while. Um, You go into Carolina in another seven game series. Um, you can't win. Seem you can't win on the road, and then you go in back to Carolina, which is all of a sudden one of the most hostile environments to play in, and you beat them at home. Granted, it was against Pyotr Kachetkov, but you still go in and you deliver in a game seven with a very young and inexperienced group. And then you go into Tampa and you take the first two, or Tampa goes into your barn at least, and you take the first two from them, and then the two time defending champs do what they do. But that's kind of what you have to feel. That, those emotions, I really think that that's, especially the kids, right? Artemi Panarin doesn't really need to learn that. Chris Kreider doesn't need to learn that. Uh, but the the guys who haven't been in those deep runs, your, uh, your Mika Zibanejads of the world, your Lafreniere's of the world, that's great for them. Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, those guys, that's what they needed to experience. And I think that that's going to help them. I don't think that they're ready quite yet. And that's kind of more due to some five-on-five issues that I have with them. Um, and maybe some regression from Chris Kreider, because if he's scoring 50 goals again, then I don't know. I'm done predicting hockey. Um, but I think there will be some regression from some of those guys, but the kids can kind of maybe offset some of that if you finally get what you think you can get out of a Capo Caco um, or Alexi Lafreniere takes that next step in year three. Yeah, and you signed Vinny Trocek to be your second-line center, and then, yeah, you're, you're hoping that with Hedl, Kako, Lafreniere, you can give them better looks on offense and hopefully get their numbers up, and maybe they start fulfilling the prophecies that both of them had coming into the league. Yep. And then on defense, I mean, Fox and Truba, and then the kids. So Ryan Lindgren, Zach Jones, Keandre Miller, Braden Schneider. Look for a a Keandre Miller breakout this year and really kind of him taking over He's already been a great shutdown defender. And I think that kind of with his, just how long he is, the reach he has, he's four-way mobility is really good. I think he's going to start pushing up into the offensive zone a little bit more. Start taking maybe a few more chances and letting Jacob Truba kind of hang, hang back a little bit. Um, i really high on Keandre Miller. I think he's kind of a, a missing piece to pushing pace a little bit more, kind of keeping teams on their heels when you can start stuff from the back end a little bit more. Uh, you know, you need somebody besides Adam Fox to do it. I think they're going to look to Keandre Miller to kind of give some of that on the, the second pair. And of course, Shesterkin signed for the next three years for only 500000 and change, more than Rasmus Ristolainen is going to make as a <laughs> member of the Philadelphia Flyers. 
So if you need a if you if you need a primer on how <laughs> on the different direction those franchises are heading, I mean, he's the best goalie in the league, correct? You want to make an argument for anybody else? The pedigree of Vasilevsky makes you is make any, an argument, but what's what's is is anybody else on his tier? Vasilevsky's in the tier. Okay. Um, but if I'm picking one and two, it's one Shesterkin, two Vasilevsky. Is anyone else in tier. that tier? No. Okay. Then I think you get into the next tier of your Freddie Andersons. Your he's probably close to that tier. Your UC Saros's, Connor Hellebuck's, Ilya Sorokin's, um, Darcy Kemper. Uh, those guys end up in that tier. Yeah, I mean, Shesterkin last year was one of the better goalie seasons. I think in a while, only because of they finally catapulted into that vault of cup contender. Like Vasilevsky's been really good every year. Hellebuck's been good every year. Kemper's been really good in, in a lot of stretches. But he he transformed this franchise into we we believe we can win every playoff series. We yep. believe we can be down three one, but it doesn't matter. We have Igor Shosturkin. He's going to throw the next three out there. Yep. And in the regular season, especially, and I don't think this gets talked about enough. He had to be that good. The Rangers were routinely outshot outscored not outscored they were outshot they had substantially more high danger and medium danger chances against them that was a routine thing and they won ah, i saw a statistic and i can't remember what it was uh that i should have come prepared with they igor shishurkin bailed them out more than any goalies bailed they're, out a they're team not a, a defensive team a lot of young guys on d who scored points but not necessarily learn how to you know knew how to play in their own end shift yeah. in shift out night in night out um, if there was one team in the league, maybe besides like the Coyotes or the Canadians that you could make a pass right across the crease with, it's the Rangers with how they were playing last year. Everything was open in the defensive zone transition. They couldn't defend anything. So Gerard Gallant, he's got his work cut out for the kids this year. I think he knows that. I think Vinny Trocek's a much better two-way presence than Ryan Strom is. And I think that'll help out a lot with some of the transition stuff. Maybe some of the stuff deeper into your defensive zone with when you you know kind of need to help out. Um, so for their sake, you, you kind of hope that that helps. You hope that some of the kids, you know, Lafreniere was seen as a good two way forward coming out. You know, you hope that maybe he can learn that side of the puck a little bit at the pro level, um, and help offset some of the issues that they had last year. And maybe only need Shesterkin to put up a nine thirty instead of like a nine forty or whatever he had last year. <laughs> I, I was joking with coach Dan and we had one of my former teammates from high school on the last podcast. Cause he's a big Edmonton fan. And I asked if John Gibson was the young Ryan DeJoe of (laughs) that division. You didn't see me play, but I'm not going to hold myself out as the Igor (laughs) Shesterkin of the New York Rangers or or of, yeah, of my heyday (laughs) when I was playing high school hockey. The Rangers, man, it's just, they had a combination of really a lot of things falling their way. And I don't mean to demean Sabre legend, Chris Drury, love the guy, or Gerard Gallant, who's shown he can coach in this league. But, I mean, you had Panarin and Adam Fox say, I'm I'm playing here and nowhere else. Yep. And so... And you won two lotteries with terrible odds to win said lotteries. Correct. Yeah. So again, but I will give them credit. They've now had goaltending for about 30 years without any lulls. Yep. You go from Mike Richter to the King, to Igor Shesterkin. Without, so without You've loss. got another 10, at least, yeah. of so just phenomenal goaltending. It's like the Green Bay quarterback. It's just, it, for whatever reason, it's just been locked up for 40 years, and it'll be good. Never ending. 
Well, we'll do our predictions later. So let's go up by 95. Is it I-95? Yeah, I think that goes through Philly. Well, anyway, let's go out of the New York metropolitan area and through the graveyard of this division, which is the Philadelphia Flyers. So buckle up, Flyer fans. Um, We're going to try and be merciful here, except that you're the Philadelphia hockey team and the notorious sports fans in Philadelphia. You deserve absolutely zero mercy. No mercy. Absolutely none. None. All right. So my questions for Philadelphia are much like that episode of The Office where Toby Flenderson has to do his exit interview and Michael Scott has to kind of tone it back. So my questions are like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? (laughs) And then just kind of, you know, I had when I had Dan Rosen on, I said it was after the first wave of free agency. And I was like, Dan, let's go through my notes and you, you explain these to me. I said, basically, I just had Philadelphia Y underlined five times with like eight question marks. I, I just, it's just like, okay, here are the things you shouldn't do as a GM. And Chuck Fletcher's like, I'm going to do every one of these things. Every last one of them. And then let's put the cherry on top and bring in a coach like John Tortorella, who's known for just breaking souls of a team that's going to be bad. And, and a team so, that already the vibes, for lack of a better term, were not good around exiting last year that team was down in the poops and you say you know who can write the ship the dude who will push them even even further down in the dumps like good carter hart i know your goalie coach he's been on the podcast good luck just 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 stop the puck and don't let torts bring you down and you know maybe tort maybe torts change people change coaches evolve that's why they keep getting jobs maybe not so much in the nhl which is an issue but and again, here's your right-handed defenseman that you're paying money to this year. You gave up assets to Rasmus Ristolainen. As I've said many times, and I will say again here, I wanted him unprotected for Seattle to take him, hoping Seattle would take him. And you send a first and a second, and actually a serviceable guy in Robert Haig who can play NHL defense at or near the level of Rasmus Ristolainen to get him from Buffalo. And then he was, by Coach Rob's uh, standards, okay. And then, and we, given how Coach Rob would coach the 14 U's defensively, that means horrible. Sure, <laughs> sure. And so then you have Chuck Fletcher say, all right, maybe this didn't work. But the number one thing GM shouldn't do is don't send bad money after good. So even though you had intentions there, and it's not even good money, it's all right, let's sink some more money into this guy. So you're paying Rasmus for Stalinen. $5.1 million over the next four years. You were bidding against yourself as a UFA. We got to trade assets to get the rights to sign Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, so not only do you sign Rasmus Ristolainen, you double down on that by signing a guy who just as bad defensively as Rasmus Ristolainen, better offensively. But Ristolainen was supposed to quarterback your power play. That's why you signed him. And then you double down for it because that did it doesn't work. So now you have Tony D'Angelo, who, sure, he quarterbacked the power play well in Carolina, but the locker room between Tony D'Angelo and John Tortorella, that's going to be, like, that's a better reality TV than any Kardashian show, any Housewives show could ever be. Being a fly on the wall in that room, I would do unspeakable things to just listen to what's going on in the room. Yeah, or maybe they become best buddies. Uh, You you never know. But I'm going to guess it's not going to go great. No shot that that 
goes well. I, boy, I just wish Keith Yandel was still on this roster. I just, I just wanted a pair of uh, with Yandel and D'Angelo, just to watch them throw passes in their own end and watch Tortorella like have a live cam on Tortorella during the games when they play together. Those are the two guys who don't realize you can rim the puck off the board. You can go off the glass. To them, that's like a fate worse than death. They don't believe in no-win scenarios at any point in the rink and any time or scenario in the game. So oh, let's boy. keep going through the right-handed defenseman on the Philadelphia roster. Justin Braun, 35 years old, making a million dollars, decided he wanted to stick around. I don't – I honestly – I like fine. Justin Braun. No, that's fine. I think that's, that's fine deadline bait for a team that needs a depth player. And then Ryan Ellis might be done. He's on – IR for now it might turn into LTIR I think the I think the word was he was probably not going to play this year no he's done so he makes 6.25 but that comes off the books their two most reliable and serviceable players will not be playing this year and the other one Sean Couturier so when you look back at their forward group all right you traded Claude Giroux who is Philadelphia hockey who is Philadelphia hockey that shift as I hate Philly but I hate Pittsburgh even more that shift in what year was that? 2010 when they went to the final against Pittsburgh where he knocked Crosby on his butt and 30 seconds later goes bar down on Marc-Andre Fleury was... It's a watershed moment for a team that hasn't won the Cup since 1975. <sighs> so, and then you can get Philly hockey back when you sign Johnny Goudreau, but you won't, you won't put an asset to trade James Van Riemsdyk to lock up Johnny Goudreau. Who would have taken less money, substantially less money, to go play for the Philadelphia Flyers, and you don't do it. Right. You're like, nah, we're good. And, hey, we had to pay, you know, $10 million to Rasmus Ristolainen and Tony D'Angelo, because when you get the chance to do that, you got to do it, right? That's substantially better than paying Johnny Gaudreau. Right. So you could have even kept it. And, you, you, I mean, you, for Fletcher, it's like, okay, do I, I, have, to, I have to get Ristolainen and D'Angelo locked up first? Like, why can't I just wait to sign Johnny Goudreau and then I'll figure it out? You don't even figure it out. You just—they're bad. I don't know why he has a job. I'm—I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person saying that in Philly. Uh, I know Philly fans. I've been to Philly a lot. My brother lived there. It's a place near and dear to my heart, even though their fans are uh, brutal and awful. I still love love many of them. Jim's cheesesteak would go phenomenal right now jim's on sixth jim yep jim's in south philly was always we would always go to south philly go to jim's jim's is a spot so again philly a place near and dear to my heart um it's kind of weird just because of how much love i have for philly and philly fans like i don't ever want them to see him win i want to see him suffer but i'll suffer with them a little bit because i love them but they deserve every bit they get so the best thing you could say about the flyers this year is that uh the eagles and the phillies are doing much better yes so you get to watch some meaningful and the Sixers got a shot this year. And the Sixers, like the Sixers got a shot this year. Sixers got a shot. So there's things to do. There's things to do on the on the south end in your sports buildings. Yes. This so year. here's what I'll say about the Flyers to kind of wrap up my thoughts. Best case scenario, right? JVR kind of finds his old form. Kevin Hayes settles down, kind of gets back to what he does really well. Plays what Cam Atkinson loves Tortorella. Uh, advocated for John Tortorella. He's a good fit in the system. Travis Konechny kind of embraces a similar role off the puck, not so much as a goal scorer as Cam Atkinson. Kind of does some similar things off the puck. Joel Farabee, I really like. They got I think some he can, Bobby Brink, Farabee. They yeah, got Bobby Brink can make some meaningful moves. Owen Tippett is a great shot. He can play well. There's some useful depth. Scott Lawton's not a bad player. Nick Deloria is not a bad player. Um, the roster as a whole, it's lacking a lot of top-end talent. Has pieces has a lot of overpaid pieces, uh, 
Um, that'll make for for good trade bait. Um, and I've I was a huge Ivan Provorov fan. I'm starting to give up on him. This is kind of the last year where I'll say maybe you could get you know that top pairing defenseman out of him. Um, otherwise, then we're just in a bad spot in Philly. I think Travis Anheim's a, a fine player. He's going to spend a lot of time getting PO'd at whichever of Tony D'Angelo or Rasmus Ristolainen he plays with this year, um, trying to cover up for those mistakes and will most likely be gone at the deadline as well. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen is the best at the league at cross-checking someone from behind in the back of the neck after a high-danger scoring chance and or goal. So I, I don't know where that fits in the advanced metrics, but uh, he's going to be pretty high on that list. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If this team doesn't want to finish eighth, you got to have Provorov and Carter Hart get the luster back on yeah, what and, we're promising careers. Yeah, didn't even mention Carter Hart yet. He was seen as the second coming, basically. He, like that was, it was Carey Price was on the downfall and Carter Hart was coming right up. Got fast tracked to the league, came in super quickly before anybody thought he would. Uh, was the best goalie prospect on the planet for a while. Still 24. Yeah, he's there's definitely time for him. Uh, but And the situation in front of him is not pretty. So if he does it, it's not. Uh, it's going to be all on him. On the on the plus side, they still have to cut a check for one point six four two million to Ilya Brzezgailov for the next five years. So that's that's pretty good. And just to you know, add some the the bad vibes. You have one single good story of your team last year. <laughs> and you, and you, one. It's Oscar Lindblom. Oscar you, Lindblom, the cancer survivor. Him. And then you cut him. And you buy him out. Yeah. Then you cut him. It's like, like just, just, yeah, you still got to pay him for a couple of years. It's still, it's not, a, it's not a terrible buyout money wise. It's two thirds of a million dollars, but man, but that's the only, that was the only thing people and you looked signed, at and, Philly and, and, and you went, pay Nick good. Delorier $2 million in real salary this year, even though his cap hit is a little bit less, but it's like you, you really, for 1.75 million that you pay Nick Delorier, you can't have Oscar Lindblom take up that money it, again. Well, they had to make room for Johnny Gaudreau, right? <sighs> Oh, 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 wait, wait. Oh, Chuck Wagon. Oh, Philly. The sun, the sun will shine on you again, maybe? Uh, Carmen Connor Bedard. Connor. The, 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 and especially because you got to play in the Met, you know, points are going to be hard to come by. Is this, what are, okay, let me put it to you this way. What percentage chance do they have of not finishing eighth? Hmm. Probably. 12, the 12 and a half, the same as their lottery odds will be when they finish last sure. for Connor Bedard. All right. That's the number to remember. 12 and a half percent. That's what you're going for. You're fighting with the Yotes and the Hawks for it in the great tank off of 2023. That's <laughs> and, and, and Montreal. Don't, don't leave Montreal out of that. Yes, but I'm a big Marty St. Louis guy. All right. So maybe, okay. Okay. maybe they're not quite that down in the poops. All right. Uh, any more hate we want to throw out at Flyers fans before we uh, go west on I-76? I've got to save my hate for Pittsburgh. I hate them even more. Okay. So let's get on I-76 West, and let's go to the Steel City. Ugh. So everyone's been kicking dirt on in the last couple of years, saying they're not going to make the playoffs. Now, they've made the playoffs, and then they get bounced in the first round. But dare I say that they've kind of steadied the ship where they've always had some turnover year to year over these last handful of years since they won the cup. But now it's like, all right, we got Crosby back. We got Malkin back. Latang had a good year last year. 
really good year last year. We, we had to trade John Marino, which isn't good, but we traded for Carter. He's still here. We traded for Kasperi Kapanen. He's still here. We traded for Jason Zucker. He's still here. Gensel still Gensel. We have three lines that are tough to play against. Our fourth line was a good identity line. We added some size on D with Petrie with, you know, Marcus Pedersen, still a big guy. We signed Jan Ruda, you know, Jari and DeSmith are good NHL goalies who don't take up a lot of cap space. Are they now, are, are we done kicking dirt on them? And is the question not whether they make the playoffs now, but how deep can they go finally in the playoffs this year? I think two years ago when we did this, I said I'm done predicting Pittsburgh to miss the playoffs until they actually do because I'm tired of being that hater that's like, ah, this is the year, and then they never miss. Um, so I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs this year. I think Mike Sullivan is too good of a coach to let that happen. And even if injuries strike, there will be some random NHL create a player that comes up from Wilkes-Barre and ends up potting 25 goals and saves their season. Um, Crosby is still Sidney Crosby. He's still a phenomenal player. Um, if Genny Malkin can't seem to stay on the ice, but when he is, I still think he has potential to take over games, even at the ripe age of 36. I think Jake Gensel is somehow still underrated. Um, he drives a lot more than he gets credit for in Pittsburgh. Always in the right spot at the right time. Uh, Brian Ross, same thing. Like these were yep. two undrafted college players who got paid. And it's like, yeah, they play with Crosby, but even when Crosby wasn't there, Jake Gensel still gets his night in night out always. And he's just like, he looks like he's 14. He, you know, he's got, <laughs> it's like, Oh, look at this nice little guy coming. And then he's got, and then he has three points on you and you're like, what happened? So, and, and the thing about Crosby and you kind of don't hear his name now as much as you did. You hear McKinnon, you hear McCarr, you hear, um, you hear, you hear, uh, obviously McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews wins the heart, you know, but still like, I, I think if you go talk to NHL defensemen, they're still going to tell you Sidney Crosby is still every much of an existential nightmare to have to defend as someone like McDavid because they do it in different ways. Yeah. Crosby McDavid, doesn't make mistakes. Well, right. McDavid off the rush is still probably the hardest ask for a defenseman. Yeah. But Sidney Crosby when the puck enters the zone is probably an equally difficult task just in a different way. Because if you make any kind of mistake, if you're half an instant late, if you telegraph something, the tiniest bit, if your skates are too wide, if your skates are too wide, I mean, he pushes the puck to the goal mouth once it's already in the zone better than any player I've ever seen. And I hate him. He's a crybaby. He doesn't need to act like this. He's a bad face for the NHL for those reasons. Other players on other teams don't like him. They think he's a punk. He probably is not like everyone's anybody's favorite person borderline from what you hear around the league. But still, it's like, all right, just on seemingly innocuous plays in the Ozone where it's, okay, we got to the puck first. Let's make a D to D. Let's make our second pass and let's get out of the zone. And in an eye blink, it's on Gensel's stick from Crosby and it's in the back of the net. And you're like, what just happened? Yep. And that's why they're so dangerous. And again, their depth is now good. These guys hung around and they've gotten better. Gensel hung around, got paid. Rust hung around, got paid. Their top nine is the same as it was last year. Actually, probably their top 12 borderline is the same it was last year. You add a guy like Petrie, like we talked about. Jari's been to the... Uh, NHL All-Star game the last couple of years. You add Jan Ruda. I mean, it's 
are they are they back into the tier of cup contenders again? I think that's a better team than it was last year, paper wise. Um, and with an old team, and it's the same question that we'll have with Washington when we get down there. When does Father Time catch up? And Crosby's such a smart player, you really don't think that that will hit him until he decides to call it quits with what makes him most effective. Um, if Genny Malkin's missed a lot of time with injuries, so when does that catch up to him? Chris Letang, he's you know 35, and this isn't so much for this year. They just signed him for a long, for long six, six time by six for a 35 year old. Yeah, that's but that's down the line, right? So not a lot of 40 year old guys play defense in this league. No, but they understand that. Who that was the point, last one? Niedermeyer wasn't it? Niedermeyer was the last one, probably. Chara. I, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Forty. Yeah, thousand years old because he, he's six foot eight and he can still reach. Yeah, and and the rink's only eighty five feet wide, but he, and he can cover half of it with his stick. Yeah, whatever, fine. Uh, you know, and but Jeff Carter, that's a thirty seven year old that they kept around. Like this team, at some point, you're just going to realize with how fast the league is getting that those guys can't push the pace. But you have speedsters, Gensel, Rust, Kapanen, Raquel to a lesser extent. That can kind of push play from the wing maybe a little bit more, which if that might be the style that they want to go to, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, just kind of the way that their team is built. Um, but there's a lot of potential. I think Ricard Raquel being there for a full season, having a training camp, getting able to build some chemistry because he fit in well at, right after the deadline. He'll only get more and more familiar with the system, how Mike Sullivan wants him to play in the offensive zone, how they can kind of push play up the ice, getting more comfortable with Crosby or Malkin, whoever he ends up playing with. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, my real question is, because goaltending is so snap of the finger, Tristan Jari's got to put it together multiple years in a row. Because after, I believe it was last year, not this last year, the season before, people in Pittsburgh wanted a full change. They wanted, they were pissed that they didn't get Flurry back. They wanted Flurry back at the deadline this year. Um, you know, when Jari had a tough stretch, he got it back together towards the end of the year. He's the numbers from last year look good. Not great, but they look good. Does he do it for a full year? And can he do it in the playoffs? Which is, and kind of this year, they ended up with Louis Domingue in net for a large part of that Ranger series. Um, but he played really well. Like he played better than Jari did when he came back. Except for the bad goal. Yeah. And that, I, that altered the landscape. It did. But, you know, you look at Pittsburgh, and I think they have definitely potential to win a round or two. Like I could see Pittsburgh in the conference finals this year, but I could see five teams in the Metro in the conference finals this year. So I think that division is that deep. It is. And the last time we did this, not only did Pittsburgh kind of surprise us a little bit, they won the division that year in the, in the shortened season. They won the uh, mass mutual, the mass mutual bank, East. mass. They won it. They won on a tiebreaker over your guys, but they won it. Yep. They won that division. They're just really hard to play against night in night out. Yep, but then they won that division and got spanked by the Islanders in the first round. And then, you know, shout out to uh, Coach Rubin here. You're still, you, there's, a, there's a cap hit of just under $2 million for Jack Johnson this year. <laughs> and then it's just under a million for the next three. So Coach Rubin's favorite player of all time and Stanley Cup winner. Stanley Cup champion, Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson with a ring on his finger. And a complete side note, but I'm going to plug it in uh, because I can. And it's stopped now that Jim Rutherford isn't there. But Jim Rutherford's constant chase for a solution to Tom Wilson and watching Tom Wilson beat the crap out of him and then them sending him away was my favorite story of the late 
almost it's right up there with the Caps winning the cup for me with your Erica Bransons, your Ryan Reeves, your Jamie Alexiaks. And then they realized that they couldn't fight Tom Wilson and then they got sent packing. I thought that was funny. And for yeah, Pittsburgh's the, sake, the, the Redwood, that that's the, done. Yeah, more, more Redwood defensemen to try and chase Tom Wilson around. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the Metro Division. We'll uh, see you next time. This, now, guy, this now, guy's got jokes. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Washington Capitals. So. I'll let you start before okay. I. All right, I'll set the table. I talk bit. for two hours. And, and again, I don't mind Washington. They're not a team that evokes a lot of emotion from me, one way or the other. You know, it was kind of one of those teams where, when they when they got over the hump against Pittsburgh, it was like, all right, cool. And then when they played Vegas in the final, it's like, all right, this is pretty cool. Vegas in their first year makes it. Washington gets over the hump. Let's go. They win their title, and then they seem to have kind of aged in dog years. I mean, to me, their whole season comes down to Backstrom. If they don't have Backstrom, I think they're out. Given how just limited in effectiveness Backstrom looked last year, uh, he was not himself at all. Um, So I don't even, if you get Backstrom back, you hope that he comes back and plays better. But I think, you know, you signed Dylan Strome to kind of be your, your second line center in the meantime, which I think what you can expect out of Dylan Strome, and it sounds blasphemous because Nick Backstrom is, one of the greatest playmakers of the generation. What we got from he's, Backstrom he's last po- year. He's the poor man's Nick Backstrom. He's a playmaker. He's Yeah, I think that's kind of realistically what you you can get similar production out of that, but you'll have him for the full year because Backstrom didn't play until December last year. Um, and you can rely on him a little more to stay healthy. Um, and those nagging injuries, even after Backstrom came back, you know, he talked about it, just tore him apart. He said it would hurt for him to get out of bed every morning. Um, it was a struggle. Um, he got a full hip replacement. I don't know if he'll ever play in the NHL again, which breaks my heart. Uh, but it sounds like he's doing well and he's motivated to come back, at least at some point. You know, maybe he gets Kucherov and we we get him for the playoffs, which uh, I would obviously not turn down whatsoever. Um, so maybe that's kind of what the the upside is for him. But I'm not even factoring Backstrom into the equation with Washington this year. And then. As far as you know, the offseason goes, Strom kind of came in at the end. It was he was one of the later guys to sign, and mm-hmm. then we talked about him earlier. The forty-five foot player, Anthony Mantha. Are are you happy about that trade after eighteen months or so of it? My year of it, give or take. So Jacob Vrana was my favorite non-Alexander Ovechkin player on the team. I have his jersey. It was hanging up on my wall when the trade happened. Um, I almost cried about it. I, I didn't think it would actually happen because there were a few small rumors circling as, you know, happens at the trade deadline every year. But then that one actually happened. Um, Mantha has been able to stay healthy, which is the big thing. Um, when he has been healthy, especially in the playoff series against Florida, it was a different side to him, which was very encouraging. Uh, he looked very assertive physically, like just his feet were moving, which wasn't happening a lot, which, you know, was getting very frustrating with him. But it's clear that the potential is there. So I'm hoping maybe you put him with a natural playmaker like Dylan Strom. You know, maybe you can spark some of that. A guy who can win some of the dirty battles like a TJ Oshie. Maybe that can spark some of that um, and kind of get, you know, 25, 30 goals out of him and just don't be terrible in your defensive zone. You can live with that. I wouldn't say I'm happy with the trade giving up Vrana and a first round pick for it. I think we miss Vrana's speed in the neutral zone as you get older and slower, that he was kind of the one guy that you could throw the puck to on the wing and he'd gone. Well, you, you signed the older, crappier version in Marcus Johansson, Mojo. So, well, go ahead and finish your Vrana trade t- uh, tangent. I would take it back, but I 
I'm st- I'm not look Man- Mantha- mad with Anthony Mantha. Mantha's going to bang home goals on that right wing of the power play when they shade to Ovi. Like he can do that. He can That's absolutely do that. Been another big gripe I've had with um, power play wise. I'm hoping maybe now that you know if we're not as committed to the same unit before. If you can have another one-time threat on the other side with Mantha. And uh, I'm hoping that that's kind of the direction the Caps choose to go. It didn't look like it in training camp. It looked like they were having Dylan Strom take back from spot and just kind of running the same thing, which doesn't make me happy. But, uh, you know, maybe you get some looks on the second unit. Who knows? Um, but as far as Anthony Mantha goes, I think you expect 20, 25 goals, 50, 55, 60 points. Um and you're happy with that if that's what you get, if he plays a full year. How disappointing has Marcus Johansson's career been? I mean, for me, not disappointing at all. He was, his first in Washington was phenomenal. Um, we had to get rid of him for cap reasons, won the cup the next year. Then comes back uh, at the deadline last year and was serviceable. He played fine. Um, and you bring him back for depth. I I'm assuming he's, you know, you get healthy in the playoffs, you make an addition at the deadline. Maybe he's the extra guy, um, which I think is a very appropriate spot for him at this point in his career um, to kind of be a, you know, mix and match. If someone's in Laviolette's doghouse, which will happen to Anthony Mantha, I'm sure. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, maybe even like a Connor McMichael ends up in the doghouse at some point. I wouldn't say Dylan Strom's exactly a selkie candidate either. No, not particularly. So, you know, Mark, he's versatile. He he works. I mean, you're not saying we need Marcus Johansson or we can't win the Stanley Cup. But you get him back, Mojo's back, I think that's a fine 13th forward guy you can kind of move around the lineup. Um, not the same style as Connor Sherry, but can kind of versatile in a similar way to a Connor Sherry. Is Dylan Strom still the best Tucson Roadrunner we've ever had? Oh, yeah. By far? Even with Bunting and Garland's success? In terms of what he did down here, yes. Okay. And the only guy that could come close to it is if Matias Michelli comes back down this year. Um, but that oh, that, man, one, that year, one year, him him Kraus and um, Merkley on the on the top. Oh line. yeah, I what a Nick fun Merkley year that too. was! What was a f- fantastic. I mean, as someone who got to go to a lot of those games, and yeah, they fell a little short in the playoffs, but they won the division that year. Man, if we would have had one Saturday night home playoff game, that, that barn would have played been one time jumping. on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then we lose in five to Dallas yep. or to Texas Yep, with a lot of NHLers on that roster currently. Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints. No, not Radic Fox. Uh, Gurionov. Uh, just a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. And so. But uh, back to the cap. Let's talk about another Tucson Roadrunners legend, <laughs> Darcy Kemper. Who made his one game on right. a conditioning stint? We got Darcy Kem- and Eric Comrie. I, he had two starts in Tucson, I remember, and one he one he played okay. The other one he didn't survive the first period, as I recall. Correct. Uh, but yeah, goaltending was what not so much in the postseason. What did the Caps in? Um, who actually gave Florida a much better out than most, and myself included, thought that they would. Um, but goaltending, regular season wise, it's better across the board. Darcy Kemper is even from his Arizona days, I loved Kemper. He saved the Yotes time in and time out. Um, he was great in the regular season for Colorado. Um, the playoffs didn't look great, right? But I kind of optimistic-wise and contributing a lot of that to uh, to an eye injury that he sustained in the first round. 
um, came back and he wasn't great in the playoffs. Um, I won't uh, say that he was, but you know, if his eyes fully healed, you know, if you can get a nine fifteen goaltender out of Darcy Kemper for how the caps play, you're thrilled with that given what the caps got last year. And Charlie Lindgren, AHL legend, um, long seen as a guy who needs to get a shot in the NHL is going to get a shot. I think him and I think him and Caden Primo are in the same boat in that it's time for them. And I think they're going to play well. So, so goaltending wise, I, I think it's better. I think there's a lot of potential there. You know, no more worrying about where rebounds getting kicked to no more worrying about whatever sh- weird shot from transition from just inside the blue line is going to go. No more sticks getting lost behind the net. Um, that did us in way more than you would ever expect it to do to an NHL hockey team. Um, the, the goaltending's better. Defense, it's pretty much the same. Justin Schultz leaves. Eric Gustafson comes in. They're both the same. Move the puck well. Don't do much else well. Um, they'll be fine as a number six option on the team. You kind of know what you're getting with everyone. Martin Faravari has some room to grow. He's uh, got a lot of potential. You know, I think... He's uh, one of the few youngsters on this team that you can look to as a, a sign of hope moving forward into the future. So that's one of the guys that'll play a big role um, on defense. Him will probably be paired with John Carlson for the overwhelming majority of the season. And that's kind of, you know what you're getting with the Caps, though. You know, Ovechkin will get his 40, 45, 50 goals. Kuznetsov will set him up the same way he always does. Oshie will miss 30 games of the year. Um, but when he comes back, he's the heart and soul. Connor Brown was a, a sneaky good pickup, I think, to kind of offset not having Tom Wilson at the beginning of the year. So you get Tom Wilson back December-ish, um, you know, going into the stretch run. Connor Brown's there. It's a deeper forward group. Uh, goaltending is much improved. I think on paper, this is a better team than that we had last year. You think the kids are that ready? The one kid that has to play a big role? No, there's a couple of kids you're going to see throughout the year that are going to come up and have to contribute just because if you're an older team, you got to fill in. Yeah, and the kids were ready last year, you know, when we dealt with a lot of injuries early in the year. Um, a couple of them just got claimed on waivers today, which might be proof of how ready they were. Axel Janssen, Fialbi, and Brett Leeson are both no longer Buff- in the Buffalo, Buffalo Saver legend, Axel Janssen, Fialbi. Yep. It was funny. He came back to D.C. and instantly complained about how about being in Buffalo for... Yeah, because he was there. Week. Yeah, because he was there in the winter. Um, but yeah, the the depth. You know, there's not a ton of NHL ready high end talent down there, but there's serviceable depth. You know, for when an older team like this inevitably gets a little banged up. All right, so let's put our money where our mouth is and make some predictions. All right, we're both going to pick Philly eighth because we can't pick them ninth or tenth or any lower by law because there's only eight teams in this division. Unfortunately. Who you got at seven? At seven, I keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm, uh, I'm thinking it's Columbus at seven, and it, like, I can see anywhere from really three through seven being, I don't want to say interchangeable, but like, I think the ceiling and floor for especially Columbus in New Jersey is you know ceiling is two or three for these teams and the floor is seven i think my dogs disagree they're upset with that shane's getting a little rowdy yeah you can hear him clacking around so i i guess i would say seven but you could very very easily talk me out of that all right i'm gonna keep new jersey at seven 
Okay. I, I just, yeah, their pieces are better, but they were bad last year. I mean, it's like, the, you know, there's a thing. The Islanders had a rough stretch, but then they came back. New Jersey was just, they were bad. Like they played Buffalo a couple times. They got the doors blown off them. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, I, I still think it's just, they're going to score goals. I just don't think they can prevent any. I mean, they gave up 307 goals last year. So even with, even with the improvement that they seemingly have, you don't have defensive defensemen on that team and you don't have a real goal prevention skeleton. No, like I think some, Dougie like Hamilton will have. be better than he was last year, which so. kind of gives me some hope. And I think, you know, maybe they're going to play run and gun hockey. And when Lindy Ruff inevitably gets fired midway through the season for Andrew Brunette, um, which I think was everyone sees coming, um, you know, sure. maybe that team turns around. A hey, little bit. you know, Lindy's won a lot of games in this league, too. So, I, you know, I'm surprised he got a, he's kind of third go around with a squad after yeah. Buffalo and Dallas. Yeah. But people like playing for him, mm. which means a lot. So so I'll put New Jersey at six then. All right. Because I think those yep. two are the ascending teams, but they're just not quite ready yet to crack into the top five. At six, I'm putting the Washington Capitals. Get out of here. I just It's your podcast, but get out of here. Uh, no, look, I, I'm with you that you're now kind of getting into the these teams are really good and they're really similar. It's it's what happens during the season to them injury wise is probably as important as anything. And just for, it's just Dylan Strom isn't going to do what Backstrom can like Backstrom's done. I just don't, I think they have, I think they have a trying year. I'm probably going to be proven wrong on this, but you know, that's the thing. I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just sixth in the Met is the Mets tough. Yeah. The Atlantic gets tougher. So you're having to play all these games. And I just think it's going to be tougher for them night in, night out to stay in the hunt. So even though I think it's going to be more balanced, you're going to have a Washington team at six. that's going to miss the playoffs. They're going to score 90 points. Yeah. They'll have 90 points. They'll just miss. I think you're going to get a little bit of, uh, you know, this league's going to be really thick for the reasons I say, and I'm a Columbus Homer. So I'm, I'm putting your team at six. I don't see head to injuries is really the only thing that I can see pushing Columbus above Washington. I think the goaltending is better. I think you know what you're getting more out of your your top end and, yeah, and I mean, on your Kevin, back end. You just yeah, know sure. what you're getting and your coach is more right. proven, been around the block. But I think, it, but, but seemingly every year it happens. Even though this division, it was kind of the Islanders, Washington, Pittsburgh were always there. So there's a weird thing that's going to happen. So for me, this is just like, all right, one of these teams is going to drop out. I'll pick it. I'll pick Washington as the team that's going to drop out. I'll remember that. Remember, go ahead. It's I on. It's on. It's on tape. You I keep, keep receipts. All right. All right, Robert Sala. Go ahead. Keep those receipts. Look, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying Philadelphia is going to jump them. I just think somebody's got to miss the playoffs. I don't think it's going to hold the top four. Mm-hmm. All right, five, five. I'm going to put the Islanders at five. Do they make the playoffs at five in your scenario, or is it still a four-team division that makes it four and four? You know, I know I said that they're back. Because I think they're going to play Islander hockey again. And I think this is where we get into the five-point gap between maybe honest, It might even be between five and two um, where the gap is. You Down to the last week of the year, two through five will not be set in stone in that division. Um, I just think that's the oldest team. Not the oldest team. That's the, the team that you just know exactly what to expect from. Um, I don't see a ton of room for improvement over last year other than being in your own barn to start the year and not having to get that far behind the eight ball. 
Um, you get, you know, you get um, Anders Lee back for a year, uh, but there's just the Islanders are a good team. Everybody knows they're a good team, but there's nothing that gets me up. And I'm like, man, the Islanders, that's, that's a squad right there. Like, I just don't, it's the Islanders. You know what you're getting. I think, I don't want to say it's bland, but I also don't think Lane Lambert will have the same command of the locker room, garnish the same respect as Barry Trotz does, which does definitely play an impact um, in how you play that system. I'm going to put Columbus at five. I, I, I think they, they played pretty well. I think they overachieved last year. They they had some injuries. Line A, when line A was hot, boy, are they tough to play against. And that's the thing now is with Goudreau, you hope that you don't have necessarily these spurts from line A, but maybe line A is like, he, maybe he's a 50 guy this year. Mm-hmm. He might score 50 on that kind of line because Larson will at least let them play. They scored goals last year okay, even though, they were a little bit underwhelming on the offensive end just because it had to be line a being hot where they scored goals and spurts. If line a is more consistent with Goudreau, I mean with the sky's the limit for that line. I mean, that can be a line where those two guys will score a hundred points because they're that good. Yeah. So from a pure offensive standpoint in the offensive zone off the cycle, how much better can Patrick line a be with Johnny Goudreau, Compared to Jacob Voracek, it's definitely better. But Jacob Voracek, you said 56 assists last year. Yeah. Reasonably, what more can you expect from Johnny Gaudreau besides kind of keeping teams a little more off balance? Right. I, well, I, I think he's a, just a much better zone entry player than Voracek was. So they both have good passing skills and creativity once they're in the zone. But I mean, Gaudreau pushing and carrying the puck into the zone. One of these young kids at center as your second guy in the zone and then line a getting to spots where he's open and Goudreau getting in the puck off the rush, I think makes him that much more dangerous. Yeah. The power plays more dangerous with those two as well. Yeah. So I think, I, I think they're going to score and I think their goaltending can be better. Definitely. Than it was last year. I, these, I mean, pretty... these, these guys can play goal. Corpus Allo can play goal. Merzlikens can play goal and they're a good tandem Yeah, because they've been a good tandem in the past. They don't have to be a 60-20 split. They can be uh, you know, a, a 50-30 split and still give very good goaltending. So I think they're right on the cusp. I just don't think that they can crack the top four because of how good the top four are. All right, let's get to our playoff team. So you got a four. Number four is the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right. Ah, four. I'm gonna put Pittsburgh there as well. I you know, with a veteran team like this, it's they're gonna be there at the end, but I you know, I, I don't think regular season points. I won't say they won't matter because, you know, this this division, it could be one where one through six might be so tight at the end of the year. You might be in one day as the third seed and out one day as the sixth seed later on that week, depending on how that week goes at the end of the regular season. Yeah, it'll be... I'm fascinated to watch it. It'll be... It seems like there's more of a an even spread. Like the... No one at the top, you know, with the exception of... I'm assuming we both have Caroline at the top. Seems like nobody really got better at the top, but everybody at the bottom except Philly closed the gap a lot. So there's you're just looking for where's uh where's the discrepancy going to be? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I'll I'll go Pittsburgh at four, keeping them in the playoffs. Who do you got at three? Your Washington Capitals will sure. be uh, number three. I just it's a regular season team. 
it always is playoff time. You haven't seen any Stanley Cup swagger since losing to Carolina in Game Seven when Braden Holpe decided to not do what Braden Holpe did the playoffs before that um, or that entire regular season, which, you know, that was the last time that the Caps looked like they would win a cup in the postseason, had a chance to. But in the regular season, it's a quick starting team. They'll fight through their injuries. Goaltending will be better, which will help survive a lot of the inevitable injuries that are going to come. And you know you're getting Tom Wilson back at some point. So there's a reinforcement on the way. Um, you know, maybe Dylan Strom gets comfortable. There's, I think that's a better team than it was last year, who was, I think, was it tied with Pittsburgh, a point off Pittsburgh for third in the Met last year? Three. And then, 100 for Washington, 103 for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think goaltending can make up those three points. Uh, goaltending alone can make up those three points and then some um, between Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, that gets you out of playing the Florida Panthers, putting up 130 points in the regular season versus a matchup with the Rangers. And in truth, I just I, I like Raz and you and CD a little bit. I think I picked uh, I think I picked the Kings fifth Ooh. in the Pacific Division. See, I don't hate that though. I don't hate that. No, though. that's yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, so all right. I could honestly see him sixth, but I'll I'll let CD hear that one on this, and I'm sure he'll he'll be shoot to, quick to shoot me a text if uh, if he's listening and just heard that little little jab. Well, we're not live. I got to post it at some point, so you can yeah, you're not you might not hear it today. That's fine. I got the Islanders at three. I, I think this team, with the way they finished, with you know they were so close, and then last year was kind of like a nightmare, mm-hmm. but they. They woke up and then they played their brand. So now they're rested, they're upset, and they still have the same roster that got them really deep, except for Devon Taves. But again, you got Noah Dobson, you got Romanoff to add some youthful vigor to that team. I, I just I, I like their chances of a bounce back. And you know, somebody bounces back every year. All right. So make an argument why the Rangers because we both got Carolina and the Rangers at the top now. Yep. Make an argument why the Rangers can win this division. They have a even dude, if you don't want they have them, a fellow by the name of should. Igor Shosturkin, right? Who, who he could be. No one thought he could be as good as he was last year. He, could he be better? Like there's, it seems unfathomable. But if Austin Matthews doesn't score at like a seventy goal pace, he wins the MVP, and it's not even close. Um. Artemi Panarin didn't have a phenomenal year last year. The kids can be better. Maybe Chris Kreider, you know, he's probably not a 50-goal guy, but maybe he gets 40. Maybe Mika Zibanejad compensates for some of those goals he didn't, you know, that Kreider won't get this year. Maybe uh, Ke'Andre Miller takes the next step and, you know, gets you 30, 40 points from the back end. You know, maybe some of the Lafreniere turns into a 50, 60-point guy and takes a real positive step in the right direction. Maybe Heedle figures it out. There's a lot of upside with this team and a lot of stuff that didn't go well at 5-on-5 five five last year that Shosturkin kind of covered up. They could definitely improve on that. The the forward group's just exactly the same with the exception of Ryan Strom out, Vincent Trocek in. I'm with you. Uh, and, you know, Carolina, they're a little bit older. We talked about load management. You know, yeah. maybe they don't finish first. Maybe they finish third or fourth, but they're still every bit as dangerous and they're looking to play nine-month hockey, not six-month hockey. Yeah. So, is it enough for you to actually put New York at one? Oh no. So you think the gap last year? Last year it was six points. Carolina, one hundred sixteen. Rangers, one hundred ten. So you think Carolina widens that gap between the rest of the division? Slightly, yes. 
I think the rest of the division is going to beat itself up. And they're going to be two through seven. Well, every game will be one goal game, pretty much. I think those are going to be some fiery matchups. Because um, they're all built differently. So I think just the games themselves will be wildly entertaining with how each team is built. Um, really, the only two teams that are built similar are like New Jersey and Columbus. But other than that, I think Carolina, I know he won't even be ready to start the year, but Max Pacioretty makes a huge difference with what he has to do in that system. I think Seth Jarvis has all the room in the world to be better. I think Andre Kasha will be a perfect fit there. And, you know, even though you lose Nino Niederreiter, I think you make up with that a lot with some of the other guys that you brought in. I think Brent Burns is a substantially better defender than Tony D'Angelo um, and gets shots through on the power play much better than Tony D'Angelo, which will kind of create some different looks on the power play. Uh, and he can kill penalties too, unlike Tony D'Angelo, who famously got walked in the bubble by uh, Sebastian Ajo. I think there's a lot. What? Tony D'Angelo is not a good defender? I know. Shocking, right? Another. Well, I, did we do we properly label him as a Tucson Roadrunner all timer? Tony D'Angelo, year one. We fun to watch. might have. I like I don't to think we for, did. I like to forget that he ever was down here for an extended period of time. Look, fun to watch. A, a guy that, you know, when you, when I saw him down here, he was part of that trade for Ranta. Yep. And and it was like, oh, I get it. OK, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get where I went high. Yep. So. But uh, Carolina's a team to beat in my... Uh, yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta pick them first, and I'll pick the Rangers second. I mean, last year, the goal differential for Carolina was plus 76. Second in the division was the Rangers at plus 47. I mean, that's, a, that's almost a 30-goal gap, and, that, and they got better. I'm sure injuries might happen. Crazy things might happen. The kids can take a leap. Shesterkin's still Shesterkin, but he was Shesterkin a lot last year. Yep. He, was, he was very Shesterkin-y It was like a Dominic Hoshik kind of year yep. where it was like, uh, you, you know, well, Dom didn't have anywhere near the team that Shesterkin had in front of him ever. I mean, he drugs some. I mean, he almost drug. He they have an illegal goal to give Dallas a cup. I mean, Hashik <laughs> drugs some teams in the playoffs that had absolutely nobody who could score. Yeah. So I, I just think Carolina got better. They got more depth and goal. I think they still win the division as well. I'll pick the Rangers second. All right. So we're at the one thirty-seven mark. So again, we've kind of taken up an entire ride up to Phoenix, which was ultimately why this podcast was started coach brad thanks for coming on today for some extended duty on the metro division of course and one final note on the metro not on the ice related kind of on the ice related the reverse retros that will be coming out soon for this entire division except philly because i don't know what philly's doing are going to be phenomenal every single some of the leaks that have been coming out on them man are they good for and for you and your sabers you're getting a a white and blue and uh and well, yellow goat head jersey. well yeah I, they got that one and that was the reverse retro kind of and they changed that but also the black and red goat heads are coming back too and they even yep. updated the goat head yep. they made the goat it's head slightly better. different yep it's a better goat head yep. which i still have I'll, it's we're at my house i can show you my max offend again off goat head oh. jersey i have two hockey jerseys still to this day that I had from when I was very, very young. One is a Max Offenigenoff goathead jersey from his rookie year where I was a freshman in high school. And then I have a Tamu Solani Jets jersey from 1993. As, a, so. as an avid jersey fan and jersey collector, um, I have been saving my money for this round of reverse retros. And CD, if you're also listening to this, I'm going to plug how awesome I am. 
I was able to find him in LA Kings reverse retro. Is that why he had it? He wore it the other day. Yes. The purple one? I was able to get yeah. him one. He did have to pay an exuberant amount of money for it that maybe Mrs. Coach Dan doesn't know Exor- quite about. Exorbitant is your correct word there. What college student exuberant. Oh, my fault. I'm a communication major. That isn't, I'm not really in college. Ah. So maybe Mrs. Coach Dan doesn't know how much he paid for it, but he was able to get one courtesy she, of she, yours she, truly. She knows enough not to be happy about it. I guarantee you that. Yes. So if you're a Jersey fan, sometime later this month, if you feel like sending me $225 for a reverse retro jersey, um, I'll give you the best high five you've ever received. I'm cool. And tickets to a Roadrunner game. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with my Max Finnegan up one. <laughs> All right. So we've two divisions now done, two to go. Uh, you you want to pinch hit for any other divisions? or I'd love you, to. All right, I'll keep you in mind. We'll see. Who, I'm still efforting guests for the Central and uh, to see who can stop me from talking about the Sabres by myself for 90 minutes. So I'll talk either. Coach Brad Krakowitz joined us today for the Metro Division Preview. So that is all for episode 26 of the Tucson, Pod, Tucson Hockey Podcast. As always, brought to you by Danny Platner and Altitude Home Loans. And they are an equal housing lender. We'll see you next time for the other two division previews.